At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also chief of cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the chief populational health officer at Baptist Health. We may associate the concept of healing with undergoing a medical procedure or taking a medication, but healthcare systems like Baptist Health also incorporate so-called integrative therapies aimed at helping to heal the whole person. People suffering from cancer, chronic pain, and other conditions can experience benefits from the use of acupuncture, meditation, music, and animal therapy, and more. We focused on the impacts of integrative therapies in a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program, which I had the pleasure to host. My guests were Dr. Beatrice Courier, Medical Director of the Cancer Patient Support Center at Miami Cancer Institute, T. Squire, Community Garden Manager with the Grow to Heal program at Homestead Hospital, and Wally Majors, Dog Therapy Volunteer at Bethesda Hospital East. Let's hear what they had to say. Beatrice, let's dive into these interesting um, um, topics that might seem a little bit outside the spectrum of how we generally provide care to patients, but certainly um, 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 really important and, and fascinating in both their action and benefit. Um, so let's start with talking about arts in medicine. Arts play an integral role in healing and promoting the well-being of patients and caregivers and staff in those healthcare settings. How have you seen music, art, reading, dance, whatever the spectrum is, how have you seen um, these arts improve the health of your patients? Well, it's had a substantial positive impact on our patients, and it has been quite transformative in terms of the patient experience as well as the quality of life. And we have now engaged over 6,000 patients in the last months since the, patient, uh, the program has been launched. And what we have found is that there's significant reduction in not just emotional symptoms such as anxiety or depression or fear, but also physical symptoms. Their perception of pain significantly reduces as well as nausea while they're undergoing their chemotherapy infusions. It's just fascinating both to come up with the concept and implement it and see the benefits and the outcomes that you're describing. Tell us a little bit of detail about what the programs actually look like. What is that patient experience? Um, are patients selected for it? They, they choose to participate on their own? Um, how do you identify which arts would be um, beneficial to a patient? You know, tell a little bit more about it. It's, uh, it, just, it just, again, it fascinates me. So we have brought in several, uh, seven outstanding professional artists, two that are visual artists and five that are performing artists, um, predominantly musicians and vocalists. And we have um, positioned it in such a way throughout the Institute that it has become an immersive art experience. And the objective is to engage the patients in the arts, whether it's visual or performing arts. And these artists are positioned in the lobbies, in the waiting areas of the clinic, as well as in the treatment areas in the infusion center. And so patients have the opportunity to engage in any of these arts as they are walking through the building or if they're in the waiting rooms, they are invited to either actively participate by creating artwork or um, singing along with the um, musicians, or they can passively engage 
But either way, we are surveying these patients and they are recording lower levels of anxiety, fear, pain, nausea. And the research has substantiated that. There's now compelling research showing that we can actually reduce blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate by having the patients either passively engage or actively engage in the arts. Patients can also request an individual consultation if they choose not to engage in the lobby areas. Once they're in the infusion areas, they'll ask the nurses, could I please have an artist or a musician come to my chair side during my chemotherapy? So to give you an idea, approximately 700 patients are requesting monthly consultations with the artist and over 1,500 are participating in the arts in the waiting areas. So it's been a very robust, exciting time for us the last three months. So you have subjective findings, which is part of the goal of patient comfort, as you say, objective findings of physiological improvements of things that would other indicate psychological and physical stress. And now you have, I'm sure, a backlog of people who would benefit from this and you're trying to keep up you know, the resources to, to, to support it. Um, what other forms of integrative medicine have you seen um, have been applied in helping patients through their the illnesses? The arts program clearly um, being um, a highlight, but what else, what, what other forms um, have you seen helpful? We provide acupuncture here, which um, has probably the strongest bed of literature to support its efficacy in treating cancer-related pain, um, cancer-related side effects, such as the dry mouth that may develop in some patients who undergo radiation to the head and neck area. Um, also very effective for uh, treating chemotherapy-related nausea. So acupuncture services are here. We also train our patients in meditation mindfulness which helps an entire array of symptom complexes throughout their cancer journey. And we also offer an eight week workshop to train our patients to empower them to utilize meditation mindfulness. Um, we also have oncology massage therapy. We offer yoga and Tai Chi three times per week right now virtually. Um, and we also have a strong exercise, nutrition, and sleep clinic to help target those lifestyle medicine practices that are so important for maintaining our health. So, so is it fair to say, and, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, you have certain services on site, you're able to provide certain services and education virtually, and then some of it you're training the patient to actually continue with these, with these integrative uh, care models at home on their own. Is that, is that, a, is that appropriate? Yes. Okay. Well, wow, that's, that's just, again, very exciting and very um, out-of-the-box thinking, and, and most importantly, you have the outcomes to show the benefit um, um, of these initiatives. Um, we'll turn it over to, 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 to T. Squire. We can move on to food at this point. Um, T, an, an, an increasing number of medical studies conclude that a diet rich with fruits and vegetables is key to preventing and managing chronic health conditions, certainly something in the cardiovascular world we deal with as well. Um, so in a sense, food is medicine. Absolutely. How does, how does food heal? Give us some examples of, of your perspective, or, or start with your perspective and then give us some examples about you know, the food as medicine approach towards disease management. Well, first and foremost, it's a great tool for preventative health. So if you can prevent the uh, disease or illness to uh, rear its face, then you don't really have a problem or you don't have as big of a problem. 
if, and you can do that with a healthy lifestyle, which starts with the food you consume. So the cleaner, the fresher, the more nutritious the food is, uh, the more benefit you will have uh, in, um, in your health and wellness. What, what do you um, see as kind of specific types of, of foods or qualities of foods that might help in terms of, again, both prevention and, and managing chronic disease? And then we'll talk a little bit about your program at Homestead Hospital. Well, first of all, I spent a lot of time uh, debunking the myth that healthy food is extremely expensive or uh, time-consuming to prepare. It's about going back to basic skills, life, life skills, um, and learning those skills and doing some planning. Uh, but having access is definitely key. Um, education on uh, the benefits. I mean, all real whole foods have more nutritional value and um, fruits and vegetables in particular have a lot of anti-inflammatory qualities, which in itself can um, fend off diseases. Um, and processed foods, heavily processed foods, generally does not have any very minimal nutritional value. And more importantly, uh, all of these synthetic ingredients cause inflammation, which then attracts uh, diseases. So very important to be able to make those choices. When we talk about obesity in and of itself, but certainly the kind of foods that tend to lead to a person to start storing energy, cancer, heart disease, much, many chronic diseases are tied towards that um, um, diet. And when we say, I always tell my patients to shop the outside rims of a supermarket, don't go down the aisles, because that's where you're gonna find, you know, the freshest, most natural foods, less processed foods to some degree. Um, is there any thoughts towards that? Oh, you couldn't be more spot on. Uh, it is really crucial. And uh, I would say also not to, um, buy into all of the commercials and the marketing involved with all of those processed foods. Uh, learn to enjoy the beauty and bounty that nature has given us. Uh, these things that are healthy for you are also very delicious and joyful. Again, that, that message resonates for those that listen to uh, our podcasts and other um, um, resource lives. Again, these are certain things we say. And uh, one of the aspects I always say is, as well is, if a food in a box makes a health claim, run away from it. <laughs> don't, don't eat the food because yes. it's, it's gonna tell you and, it's making you healthy. You know? And if it contains ingredients that you can't pronounce or sound as if they've been created in a laboratory, uh, even more reason to run from it. Fantastic. Well, now tell us a little bit of, um, about the Grow to Heal program at Homestead Hospital. Um, it's the only hospital-based feeding garden in the state how do you incorporate the food you grow in your garden with the patients at the hospital? Well, uh, we harvest at Homestead uh, on average five to 8,000 pounds of produce annually. And I take, I harvest and I take it directly into our kitchen where our chef uh, incorporates it into all the patient and cafeteria meals. So it's, it's fairly streamlined. I mean, they, we, really can't pro be providing fresher produce in season to our patients. And also, uh, you may not know, but we actually have Grody Hill Gardens at four hospitals within Baptist. Uh, it, of course, started at Homestead Hospital almost seven years ago. 
And then we uh, started one at West Kendall, South Miami, and Doctors Hospital. So, and we hope to expand to other facilities in some, some form or fashion as well. Phenomenal. Are the patients made aware of that? Um, is it uh, patients and employees first? And is there a designation that these foods were grown at the, um, you know, the local garden? We're working on that. Um, it's it's complicated, <laughs> um, and there's lots of layers. We're working on it. Uh, first and foremost, uh, educating our staff is the key part of the component, and really, we're educating the community as well. I mean, one of the things I do at uh, Grow to Heal is provide field trips for K through twelve students as well as other communities. Um, um, parts of the community, um, garden clubs or the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, that type of thing. So during those field trips is when we really have an opportunity to make an impact on uh, the future generations and teaching them how to make these better choices and teaching them about uh, what grows locally and how to better um, be connected to their, commun their community. So, so have you seen uh, other impact um, by these efforts, Homestead in particular, or even at the hospitals? What, um, I mean, it's, it's great, it's, re it's rewarding. Uh, the education process is only gonna help both short and long-term to the patients and employees and families. Um, any other areas of impact that um, you're able to um, share with us? Well, we do a lot of uh, workshops, or we did pre-COVID uh, in terms of working with uh, diabetic or uh, patients with uh, heart disease and that sort of thing to really help get them back on track. Uh, so sort of two layers of the education. One is preventative, of course. So you're uh, teaching, you're preventing the disease. And then once the patients have actually been diagnosed, then we work very closely to try to um, give them tools, real tools to uh, make better choices and change their lifestyle, make meaningful lifestyle changes. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, from the arts to food, now to animals. Um, Wally, tell us a little bit about how the pet therapy works. Um, what kind of impact do animals have on patients who are admitted to the hospital? Well, uh, it works from the standpoint that we come to the hospital and there will be a list available of patients that are requested a visit from the animal and uh, we then certainly go into those patients rooms and spend time with them. But we also take time to just simply walk around the hallways because we found that not only the patients enjoy the company of the, the dog, but in many cases, the nurses are the ones who are even happier to have that moment of the, that positive distraction. And that ultimately is I think the, 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 the biggest benefit that not only the patients, but also the staff at the hospital um, achieve by seeing the dog is that ability to have an opportunity to think about something else other than the challenge that they're dealing with for, by being at the hospital. And uh, it's definitely something very, very uh, magical that happens. There's a, an abundance of data uh, that provides a lot of uh, uh, and you know, proof uh, in terms of the objective um, uh, situations that occur when an animal en enters the room, but having to uh, add the personal experiences that we have had in the, the time that we spend in, not only at the hospital, 
but also visiting some local schools, for example, that have programs for children with, uh, uh, with autism, for example, or various disabilities. Uh, the impact is very, very tangible from the standpoint that you, you have really remarkable uh, um, interactions with these individuals whereby, you know, you can tell when you walk into a room or when you walk into a classroom where you can tell that, you know, there's just not necessarily a very positive environment from the standpoint that, you know, people are not necessarily happy to be in a hospital, but the minute the animal walks in, it, you know, it, it really changes the whole attitude uh, of, of the people in there and, and really brings a little bit of sunshine to the day, albeit maybe for 10, 15 minutes or so. But uh, I can tell you some of the experiences that we've had with uh, my dog Boone at the hospital has just simply been amazing and something that uh, we will cherish for many, many years. Quite frankly, I'm, I'm wondering what took so long, um, <laughs> you know, as a, as a pet lover, a, a dog lover, and certainly personal experiences coming home after a crazy day and the dogs put their head in your lap and the neurochemicals in the brain start relaxing you and they've shown it lowers blood pressure and people with diseases do better at home and people live longer if they have pets. So why not bring that into that? that hyper-acute, tense, stressful space. And you know, through the work you're doing, you're seeing that kind of positive impact on the patients, but the people around it as well. I used to bring my dogs to my clinical office in the past, and, and you know, there'd always be the concern, well, people love it, and the patients loved it. They would actually ask, can I see him again on a dog day? You know? yes. So uh, yeah. hopefully you'll be able to expand your, your efforts um, and others. Um, guys, this has been a great conversation. Um, integrative medicine, do you see this as something expanding uh, across the general healthcare system? Beatrice? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it over the last 20 years. It's now becoming much more mainstream because they now are having the research built into it to really substantiate its efficacy in certain types of modalities and certain types of disease states. And I think we are now learning that we need to treat the whole patient, not just the disease. And so I really do think this will continue to, to flourish in the world of conventional medicine. To our listeners, remember that you can send us your comments and suggestions for future topics at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. Email us at BaptistHealthTalk at BaptistHealth.net. On behalf of everyone at Baptist Health, I encourage you to all say yes to the COVID-19 vaccine. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.